The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He is a traditional Catholic priest, a member of the Society of St. Pius V, and he's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Very fine, Tom. Thank you. Yourself? Doing well, Father. Good. Glad to Great hear. to be here with you again. Um, we have another, another week of news unfolding for us, Father. Um, we, we've been hearing a lot lately uh, about uh, all kinds of different theories of, of things that are going to happen before the uh, before January 20th when the inauguration of the next president of the United States is scheduled to take place. Um, we've been told father uh, by various various sources that uh, we we don't uh, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There are a lot of uh, things happening behind closed doors. We've heard about affidavits being delivered to uh, to Congress. Um, we we've even heard heard talk of yeah, yeah we've yeah but what what kind of um think things relating to the to the election fraud um, saying that uh, President Trump is about to make everything uh, manifestly clear we've even heard talk of of martial law um, mm -hmm. be, being imposed so what do you make of all these different theories that are floating around Father what have you heard of them what what credence do you give to them um, what well it, it is a matter of credence isn't it Tom because uh, well I have seen no evidence <clears throat> of any of these things that are reported actually going on so it's a matter of just uh, what you believe uh, who you believe at any given moment there are those who are on the internet uh, pouring forth all kinds of uh, prognostications, theories, and some speaking very authoritatively, at least it sounds that way, as though they have some insider information from where heaven only knows. So it's just um, very, it's not only hard to know, I'd say for the average person, it's impossible for them to know what is reliable information and what is the result of somebody else's imagination or wishful thinking. Uh, the only thing I'm sure of is, is the power of prayer, the need for prayer right now, because if there is a victory for right and good, if there is a victory for faith and hope and charity, it's going to be God's victory, not man's victory. And so we have to pray for God's victory in all this. Um, and his victory, as I say, will not, it'll be his victory, but it will be for us and for our benefit. And that's the question, because... Uh, we clearly don't deserve that mercy from God, but that's what mercy is, right? Mercy is what is not deserved. It's um, averting some great evil when we, when we actually deserve the evil, or providing some great good when we actually don't deserve the great good. But God, in His mercy, has time and time again uh, saved those who deserved punishment and um, blessed people beyond their deserts, and we're hoping that he will do the same for us now. We humble ourselves. Like the people of Nineveh, we have to humble ourselves before God and ask for his mercy. Mm -hmm. People ask, well, 
you know, is there any hope for the United States of America? And, and, and my answer is, well, if there was hope for Nineveh, as I mentioned before, <laughs> there is hope for us, too, if we will follow their example and humble ourselves before God, mm -hmm. for his mercy. Mm -hmm. Father, in, in your opinion, uh, what, what, should, what should President Trump, uh, what should he be working towards right now? What, what, uh, what tactics should he be employing? Well, when I arrived uh, at Our Lady of Peace Chapel in Florida on Sunday afternoon, uh, I was greeted by a couple of parishioners who said they had watched uh, the last program. DCCC, and uh, they were hoping that I would comment further from the pulpit uh, at that Mass on last Sunday. And I told them, well, I hadn't intended to say any more about this because it seemed to me that on the Feast of the Holy Family, people needed to hear the Catholic teaching on the Holy Family and the spiritual message involved, that we really need the spiritual, you know, realities, the spiritual facts, this, the spiritual inspiration now. And, uh, but um, then they some told me that uh, there might be somebody there who had come specifically to hear what I'd have to say about the situation today. So I thought, well, maybe I should comment about it briefly. You know, that's always dangerous. So, <laughs> so uh, when I, I did get in the pulpit there, I did uh, actually start uh, by commenting on the situation today, which I really hadn't intended to do. but And uh, I mentioned that, uh, in my opinion, and I just told them it was a, truly an opinion, uh, that um, the United States is being maneuvered towards civil war. Uh, I said, look, when you have half the population, half the electorate anyway, uh, firmly convinced that the election had been stolen and by fraud, by massive fraud. And they were convinced of it, they, they believed they had the evidence for it, and the other half of the electorate wouldn't hear of it, wouldn't even allow the evidence to be presented, okay? And rather they were convinced that the, uh, the half of the electorate of the United States of America who are alleging voter fraud wanted to steal the election for themselves. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that the, I mean, let's call it the Republicans and the Democrats, basically. And the Democrats, rather, um, because of the message of the mainstream media, who are insisting there's no evidence, there's no evidence, simply because they refuse to look at any evidence. They would not allow any evidence to be examined, right, in the courts or the media or anywhere else. They insisted that uh, because of the, uh, the myth that the media had cooked up about the invasion of the Capitol and that the, the Republicans, the, the Trump supporters, were ready to storm the Capitol and take control of the government by, by violence, right? This is the, the narrative they're promoting out there. <coughs> that, and, and therefore, they, uh, they are mounting a, a ferocious attack against the Republicans even saying that they're going to make lists of the Trump supporters and punish them, they're going to go after them, they're going to prosecute them, they're going to persecute them, they're going to annihilate them, they have to wipe them from the face of the earth. I mean, this is uh, the most uh, belligerent language, <clears throat> right? And th these are the people who are talking about, well, whose so-called president-elect Biden 
is talking about healing and unifying. <laughs> and they're saying, we're going to come after you and we're going to punish you. We're going to make you pay. We're going to, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, basically inaugurate a, a, great, a great persecution, like a jihad against you. <clears throat> so how can we, in a case like that, avoid civil war? I mean, if they're going to fulfill their, 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 their threats, and if the, uh, the targets of their threats, those who supported Donald Trump, are going to defend themselves, how can you avoid civil war? And why are we at this point? Well, personally, I believe it's because uh, the courts have basically thrown us into this. It's almost as though, I mean, you know, I'm saying it's almost as though the, the courts of the United States of America were setting up the scenario for civil war rather than simply addressing the matters of justice here. Um, if, they, if they had been doing it deliberately, uh, they couldn't have done a better job of maneuvering us into this situation right now. So, you know, here we are. Um, <clears throat> I, I can't help but see that the, 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 the courts have failed absolutely. The justice system, uh, system of the United States has been an abject failure. And I'm not saying really the system, I'm saying the justices, the judges at every level. <clears throat> and um, I mean, it may seem insulting, and I don't mean to be insulting, but I, every time I think of the, the three most recent appointments, I think of Gorsuch, uh, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, <clears throat> what comes to my mind is the three monkeys. The, the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I mean, this is what I see. That's how they seem to me. Black robes and all. And one might say, well, you're, you're attacking the Supreme Court. And I say, well, they're attacking the Supreme Court. You're disrespecting the Supreme Court. Saying, how can anybody disrespect the Supreme Court more than they have? <clears throat> I'm, I see it this way because I respect the Supreme Court. And I think that they have made a mockery of the Supreme Court and the black robes that they wear. But this is my opinion, okay, for what it's worth. But anyway, <clears throat> so then, but not only that, but the, uh, I, I see the legislature has, has failed, right? Congress and the Senate, House of Representatives, Senate, have failed miserably the United States and failed to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. The one branch of government that has not failed yet is the executive branch. That's really ultimately coming down to the president and Trump himself. And I see that if he is convinced that there was voter fraud that stole the election, stole the authority of this country and basically the future of this country, that if he's going to uphold his oath of office, even if he's the only one who does, he has got to refuse to surrender the United States of America to what he must see as a criminal enterprise. If he sees it that way, if he sees that this is really this election was really fraudulent, and he is going to uphold his oath of office, even if nobody else does, how could he in conscience surrender the country to this cabal? Um, if he does, if he actually surrenders the country to um, this basically cabal of what he sees as conspirators, uh, then he too will be failing the United States of America, and that will make it complete. 
such that the, all of the institution of, institutions of government of the United States of America will have failed miserably, completely failed. And you couldn't find anything more fatal than that. Talk about complete devastation, right? <clears throat> uh, the only way I see that uh, President Trump has before him now, and by the way, <clears throat> um, I think he, he is marked for death, <laughs> you know, uh, political death, uh, financial death <laughs> uh, by those who hate him. They want to erase him from the face of the earth. They want to erase even the memory of him <laughs> from the face of the earth. So I don't see that he has a choice but to fight for what he believes is the right thing. What he, what he believes is the right thing. And I think history will judge him on the basis of whether he fought for what he believed is, was the right thing. Not whether what he believed was right or was true or not. Whether he believed it and fought for it. <clears throat> I think that's going to be his legacy. But if, if his objective was this all along, to have fair elections and to count every honest vote. That's what he said all along. Then it seems to me that that is actually very doable, believe it or not. Again, I mean, this is my opinion, okay? And I, I think this is the only way to avoid civil war. Um, and that is uh, that if the military will back him, if the law enforcement will back him, he is the the head of the executive branch, I mean, he's the, uh, the chief of the armed forces, right? He's the commander-in-chief of the armed forces of the United States. But everybody else has failed him so far, right? Basically, not everybody. There are some valiant souls who are still standing with him, even though they, they may expect to, you know, go down with him. They're still not abandoning this sinking ship if they see it that way. And, um, but anyway, if the military stood with him and he declared martial law, I think he would have the power then to put the clamps on all of this disinformation that is out there, I think. And he would have the opportunity to present to the American people and take directly to the American people his case. And not just his case, I mean the case of all of us. The reason why any of us, any of us supported him is because he represented what we believe, right? Whether or not he's sincere about it is not my department. But the fact is he did officially represent, you know, the pro-life, pro-family, fairly much, you know, not perfectly, but still more than anybody else, <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, pro-America, I mean, he represented what we believe, and he apparently wanted to promote what we love. Uh, the freedom to practice our faith, and uh, so on. So, <clears throat> uh, that's why we supported him, those of us who did. So, and still do, by the way. And still do, I think. The vast majority still do. But if he could uh, just get the attention of the nation and stop all this cacophony of propaganda being put out by the mainstream media and just get to the pulpit and lay out his case for the people of America, 
those who would listen. Then I think you could say, well, now let's have an honest election. But let's hear both sides and understand what we're saying here about the fraud, about there was no insurrection. Let's present the evidence. Let's see it for what it really is here. But take the case to the American people because you, there's no one else to talk to. You can't talk to the courts. You can't take the case to the courts. They will not listen. None of them will listen. Right? <clears throat> you can't take the case to Congress. You can't take the case to the House of Representatives or to the Senate. They don't want to listen. Period. Okay? They've already made their judgment. And uh, the media, forget it. Right? <laughs> there's no hope there. So uh, he will just have to take his case directly to the immediate people, the American people. Some say he's going to use the emergency broadcasting system to do that, while others are saying, but that means, but Verizon and the rest of them are trying to shut down the cell phones so that you won't be able to get that message, you know, from the American, the emergency broadcasting system on your cell phones. I don't know. I don't know. You know, no matter who says what, there's always somebody who says something to counter it. Yeah. You know, and it goes back and forth in, ad infinitum and ad nauseum. But you ask what I think Trump should do, and I'm sorry I'm being prolix in giving this long prologue to it, but uh, I don't see how else he can really present the case in order to have fair and honest elections. But I, I would think that perhaps he could do that, that he could declare martial law and say, look, I'm declaring martial law for three months, six months, whatever it is. For one reason, and that is to be able to speak to the American people and lay it all out to them, and then let them decide. And I will abide. I will honor the decision of the American people, but I want a fair and honest election. That's all I'm asking for. And uh, we're going to lay out the case, and uh, he, he could say, we'll let the other side lay out his case too. We'll present it all to the American people, both sides of the issue. Let them hear it all. But we have a right to speak and be heard. And we're, then we're going to go into an electoral process, and it's going to be a process where there will be a legitimate vote. Both sides will be there, adequately representative, to be able to monitor the vote. And we're not going to have foreign interference through uh, the Internet. Uh, we're not going to have China electing the President of the United States. We're going to have Italy. Francis or any of the other, we're going to have a vote as Americans. We're going to make sure of that. And uh, whatever the results are of that election, I will, I will accept. I will accept the judgment of the American people. And if he, if he can make the case and he can promise that, and if the military could back him up and say he pledges that to the military and he and he, he expects the military to enforce that on him or anyone, you know, that they will, they will see to it that the duly elected president and vice president and, you know, what other, they might limit the election to that. They might actually retrace some of the, uh, you know, the, the whole election again because of the fraud being endemic. I mean, affecting so many of the race, the control of the Senate, control of the House. Um, it's all affected by this. I don't see any other way right now. But you've got to somehow uh, bind up the wounds of the nation, so to speak. And, uh, and uh, you know, present the evidence and let people decide on what they see and what they want. 
But people are very, very confused right now, and confused uh, not only in not knowing what to believe, but some believing things that are completely nonsensical, mm -hmm. because the media is propagandizing. Right? Uh, it's just propaganda that they're getting right now. So uh, anyway, what, what do you think of that? Um. I don't know, Father. It's hard to hard to say. I mean, I, I've I've uh, heard it said that you know, or anyone in the military, um, you know, you can't get to a high position in the military <coughs> without yeah. being a, a political figure yourself. Um, right, right. So they're essentially, effectively, the same as as the corrupt mm. politicians that we see now. Oh, true. Um, the Joint Chiefs I mean, of Staff. You got the War College. You've got the military academies. We see what's going on there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if, if that's, um, you know, a, a viable option, I'd say mm -hmm. it at least has to be tried, right? <laughs> well, there are military officers who uh, certainly do support President Trump, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, yeah. but we don't know if uh, they have the power of command yeah. to back him up. He still is the commander-in-chief, though, and he still has the responsibility to fill his oath of office, yeah. no matter what. Do you, do you think, though, Father, that that course of action could, could possibly cause more harm than good? Um, what I mean by that is if we saw, you know, the, the left who, who has control of every institution of society, uh, essentially, how, you know, that the, they could, um, you know, they, they love to accuse the, the right of, of the riots and, and insurrection and everything, while the well, left... Of course, that's what they do. Yes, but but the left could actually. I mean, we, we've seen it. They, you know, they're 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 pros, they're professionals at, at making these uh, riots and, and insurrections take place. Do you think that? But if if Trump declares more uh, martial law and the military backs him, they could they could snuff those riots yeah. out. They could yeah. snuff them out immediately. If they had the will to do so. If they had yeah. the, I mean, martial law would override any mayor protecting rioters or governor protecting rioters. I mean, you know, you've got yeah. the. Uh, National Guard, they could just move in and take care of it. I mean, any of these things they could have put down in seconds if they yeah. wanted to, if they were allowed to. Yeah. If they were allowed to, instead they, they had to stand there and take it. Um, so um, I tend to think much of the law enforcement in the United States of America would, would relish the opportunity to do what they were, uh, what they're trained to do, you know, what the American people are begging them to do. Uh, represent law and order and enforce the law. Uh, it's these leftist mayors and so on and governors who are letting the, uh, you know, the, the, the anarchists run, run wild and basically emasculating and, and, yeah. and de disarming the police, basically. So, um, now I think the rank and file would probably be very supportive of President Trump wanting to do that. Yeah. Um, I, th I would think the rank and file military too. I mean, we're reading reports about hundreds and hundreds, thousands of military votes being switched from Trump to Biden too. Yeah. And if I were in the military in the United States, I would not be happy about that. You know, I would say, well, you know, there, I'm, I myself am the victim of this fraud yeah. too. So. Are there risks? Of course there are risks. I mean, any bold action is going to require risk, but that's what makes a great, that's what makes a distinction between just a good president and a great president. A person who can take the bold action that is the right thing to do. <clears throat> and uh, just do the right thing because it is right, and then trust God and, and take the consequences, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the risks of not taking decisive action are 
thousand times greater. I mean, what could be worse than civil war? <coughs> Especially this kind of civil war between the leftists, the totalitarians, and, and their minions, the anarchists, who create anarchy so the leftists can sweep it in and impose tyranny. Uh, what could be <coughs> a greater threat than that right now? But again, if, if uh, Trump handled it and the people who are working with it handled it correctly, <coughs> properly, deftly, saying, look, we're doing this, we're not taking over, this is not a coup, I am the chief, uh, the, the, the commander-in-chief, <coughs> I'm invoking martial law, I have the right and the power, and even the duty to do this under these circumstances. And it's only temporary, all I'm asking for is for fair elections, honest elections, that's all I'm looking for. And in order to get that, we need time to present the case <clears throat> Both sides. I mean, let, let them actually present a case. The, the left through the mainstream media has not presented a case. Their whole case has been to ignore the case and all the evidence, just to ignore it and bury it, try to bury it alive. And believe me, if they, if they do succeed in gaining power, <clears throat> it'll, be, it'll be a crime to speak of it anymore, ever. They will bury it so deep and they'll bury us with it so that no one will ever hear about what happened. You know? quite, quite the contrary. Yeah? Everything will be glorified that they've done uh, for generations, centuries into the future. Yeah? And people will hear around the, the bedsides of their children with their stories about those evil Trump supporters who dared to violate the sacrosanct uh, you know, uh, halls of Congress and tried to, you know, seize control of the government and by the specious claims of fraud. I mean, if, even if it's allowed to be mentioned, you know, in the textbooks, you can imagine what, what they're going to write in the textbooks for future generations. So, so anyway, uh, so I, I think the evils of not taking decisive action are much, much greater than the... the, the <coughs> The risks of do, doing the right thing. There will always be risks of doing the right thing. You know, Lincoln was, you know, said he bound up the wounds of the nation, he saved the Union, and so on. Yeah. There are arguments on both sides of that issue. <clears throat> but here, I, I think we really have a case where it's a matter of saving the Union. Yeah. And I don't know any other way to do it, mm -hmm. except by divine intervention. And even this, I think, would be kind of divine intervention. Yes. You know. yeah. So. Father, uh, you're not the only one to talk about civil war. There's, it's um, definitely a, a topic that's been floating around. But if um, something like that were to happen, would that be a, considered a just war? Would that be something that Catholics would be well, able to Well, people have a right to defend themselves against a mob. And that's what the Democrats are launching. They're launching a, a, a wholesale attack. Uh, How do we prepare for something level. like that? How do we prepare for a wholesale attack? Mm -hmm. Something like this. Well, stay in the state of grace. Practice your faith. Be faithful to God. I mean, I mean, what, what happens in the civil war? There, there's you have to defend yourself. Um, you need food. You need clothing. You need shelter. You have, if you have children, you need to provide for them. I mean, just what would you do in the case of any such attack when the necessities of life, you know, are not ready to hand? You have to. Prepare. I guess there are preppers who have already been doing that for some time now, right? right. But 
I'd say the first order of business is to get down on your knees and beg God that it doesn't happen. <clears throat> but then take prudent action. Mm -hmm. And the prudent action, again, is what we do day, to day by day by day, only now we'd be doing it under emergency circumstances. I mean, what does a man do? What, is, what do you do every day for your, for your family? You strive to find food, clothing, shelter, security, safety, um, if, you know, means of self-defense and all the rest, you know. Only here you'd be doing under under urgent emergency circumstances. It makes it a little more complicated. Right. A lot more complicated. Right. Father, if this um, <coughs> supposed inauguration of uh, a President Biden were to take place, how should we uh, how should we react? How should we respond to that? Well, we have to hold fast to our faith. We expect that uh, real Catholics, traditional Catholics, are going to be persecuted for their beliefs, yeah. pro-life, uh, pro-family, anti-perversion. Um, anyone who dares voice dissent is going to be branded an enemy of humanity and uh, a, ter a domestic terrorist. Well, that's what they're claiming. Uh, you know, uh, Trump supporters are now all domestic terrorists. That's what they're saying, right. openly, yep. right? Yep. And, um, you know, we're going to have to uh, be considered, uh, you know, if they're going to consider us that. We are not. You know, we're not the one taking the war to them. They're, they're bringing it to us. They're coming after us with a vengeance, right? Um, but they, they will say that, you know, that's because we're guilty of hate crimes. But they're the, they're the ones who hate. I mean, they just hate everything we stand for, you know. And, uh, you know, I had a, one of our graduates uh, just call me just the other day <clears throat> and say, Father, I got involved in one of these chat room type things. I, I, what are they called? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and he said, <clears throat> you know, the, the people in the chat room are kind of leftist oriented. And I was trying to uphold the Catholic point of view. And they came back and were saying, well, you know, if you have your way and you have an ideal Catholic society, you are going to persecute those who disagree with you. And you are going to imprison them and you are going to probably put them to death. And that's what a perfectly Catholic society would do. And uh, our graduates said, well, I, I, I more, know more or less how to respond to that, but I'm not sure that they would take it seriously. So I thought I'd better consult you about it. I was very glad that you did. I appreciate that. So, you know, I, I gave him an answer. No, it's an, it's an, an answer. It's not a perfect, yeah. perfect answer necessarily, but I said, look, first of all, the church says there is no perfect society here on earth. It's impossible. Not, not any perfect Catholic society because society is made up of flawed individuals who have original sin, the consequences of original sin, even when the guilt is taken away by baptism. They still have the consequence of original sin. If you have flawed individuals who make up a society, you can't have a perfect society. It's going to be flawed. <clears throat> and you have to set things up so it brings the best out of people as much as possible and, and suppresses the worst. <clears throat> so you're not going to have a perfect Catholic society in the first place. But, you know, your friends have to realize here that if you look historically at what actually has happened, when there has been a Catholic society, it has generally been very tolerant, except when it is undergoing some kind of attack from within. 
a Catholic society is going to have a, be constituted a certain way. Its laws are going to be based upon the gospel. Okay, that's going to be, its, the gospel is going to be its constitution. Whether you have a constitutional monarchy, or whether you have republics of Genoa, Venice, and, and, uh, or any other form of government, the church says it can work with them all, and has, in fact. It has actually been very tolerant. Um, you know, there have been Jewish communities and Muslim communities and so on in Catholic kingdoms and societies. And the only time the, the Catholics would rise up uh, is in self-defense, like what the Inquisition was, a defensive action uh, as the church saw itself under attack, actually, from within. And so, um, despite all of the propaganda to the contrary, <clears throat> but if you look at uh, leftist societies, look at where leftists have actually gained power. First of all, they never share power. They want absolute power over every single man, woman, and child in that society. That's what you've seen in, a, in fact in history. Wherever uh, socialists, communists, any other progressivist stripe uh, flies its banner, you have tyranny, absolute control. There you have mass murder and absolute crushing of any dissent. That's the fact. Tell your friends that. That's the fact of it all. Well, guess what? <clears throat> when he went back to answer them, he found out he had been deleted. <laughs> of course. <laughs> he had been annihilated been by them. So there you go. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, we answered our own question there, didn't we? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Father, that, uh, that, that, that brings to mind just, just yesterday I, I saw a, uh, a satirical, um, facetious article. It was titled, uh, Evis, Evil Fascist Dictators Censored and Voted Out of Office. <laughs> and they, they, they talk about the, uh, the dangerous, evil, all-powerful Nazi dictator Donald Trump, how he's, he's, been, uh, he's been voted yeah. out of office, he's been censored uh, per tradition for evil dictators, you know, and they talk about how, uh, okay. how, how um, you know, how, how ironic is it, though, that here we have, we've been hearing this, this mantra preached to us for the last four years that Trump is this, this evil, you know, uh, dictator. And yet here we have the the left who is you know they're doing the censoring they're doing the they're persecuting every they're single doing, tactic they're doing the, the they're, yeah. they're the ones that are having That's the right. fraudulent elections which mm. is a hallmark of a evil mm. dictator so how mm. ironic is it you know here we have the left accusing us of the exact thing that they themselves are. look at the things that they accused our Lord of very things that they are guilty of you know yeah. all the evil things that they kid of being a fraud a deceiver right yeah. and so on and look at them look at them <laughs> um and so uh, you know this is what the left does yeah you know, unfortunately I mean, it's just uh, it's it, it's it's conceived in a lie and uh, it thrives on lying this is it's 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 meat and potatoes, as it were, right? Yep. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it seems that many of them have convinced themselves of the lie. Remember 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which ends with, uh, they did not love the truth, and therefore the, our Lord God handed them over to a spirit of lying and deception. He, yep. he surrendered them to that because that's what, they, that's what they insisted upon. They demanded that. And that's what you've got with the left. Um, and yet we still don't really seem to, to get it that this is what we're dealing with, you know. I mean, just yesterday I was talking to uh, 
a very fine man <coughs> who, um, you know, he's... I, I have to be careful what I say, I don't want to reveal too much, but <coughs> very active in government. And I mentioned, I just mentioned to him because he has a real knowledge of these things, state government, I said, um, what do we have to do to protect ourselves against the eventuality of them trying to make their vaccines mandatory? <coughs> and his answer was, oh, they won't do that. <laughs> I said, I can't see them doing that. <laughs> and I said, well, wait a minute. You know, I mean, you can't because you're not one of them, but you're not a leftist. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you think in terms of the leftists and the rec track records of the Democrats, you know, their, their mayors, their governors, mm -hmm. how they're applying this and how they're approaching it in a very high-handed, uh, tyrannical fashion. Um, I mean, this is very possible. No, I, I can't see them doing that, you know. And I think the gentleman I was talking to is not really naive. Uh, you know, he's a very smart man and very, very able and very good-hearted man. But I just don't know that he's capable of thinking like a leftist. Right. And this is the thing. I, I think Catholics tend to be very charitable in, in their assessments, and they want to give everybody the benefit of any doubt they have. Leftists will use that against you. They will use it to imprison you. And one might say, well, Father Jenkins, you're, not, you're being very hateful and uncharitable. And I would say, well, no, I'm just acknowledging the fact that leftists are leftists. It reminds you of a story that Trump told once, an Aesop fable. Actually, he quoted this early on. I think it was even during his campaign. <clears throat> where he, he talked about the, the, the traveler who came across an, an asp, a snake, a poisonous snake, lying on the ground on a very cold day, and the asp was, <clears throat> it was a cold-blooded, you know, animal. So the asp was practically lifeless in this the frigid wet temperature. And the asp begged the traveler, oh, just, just hold me close to you to let me warm up, just let me warm up. <clears throat> and the traveler said, uh, well, I can't do that. You're an asp. I mean, you're, a, you're poisoned. You bite me, I'll die. Oh, I promise I would never do such a thing. I mean, if you were going to do this act of kindness to me, how could I ever pay you back in such an awful way? <clears throat> and so it went back and forth. And finally, because the man was willing to discuss it, even discuss it with the asp, and the asp was pathetically very convincing. The, the, the traveler picked up the asp and coiled it up and <clears throat> put it, you know, close to him in his bosom and held it close so it warmed up. <clears throat> and as soon as it warmed up and recovered its life, it immediately sank its fangs into him and pumped its poison into him. <clears throat> and the man, you know, immediately threw the asp away and it came to the, went to the ground. And the man said, but you promised, I can't believe, how would you do that? How could you reward my act of charity this way? <clears throat> and the asp simply said, well, I'm an asp. What did you expect? I'm a snake. <laughs> this is what I do. And there you have. You know, there's a reason why this animal was chosen to represent Satan, right? <laughs> because it is uh, shrewd as a serpent, but guileless as a serpent, too. It symbolizes guile, right? And this is what the left does. This is what it is. This is, this is actually what they have chosen
as their emblem. They actually choose that, the serpent. And they, they honor Lucifer, they really do. Um, I mean, you, you think about um, Saul Alinsky dedicating his rules for radicals to Lucifer, Satan, who found it better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven, you know, the first great radical and revolutionary. I mean, he openly dedicates his work to them. <clears throat> and uh, they're, all, they're all followers of his. I mean, Obama was a student of, of his, his uh, school, of the radicalism. Uh, same with Hillary Clinton, had him as a professor. So what do we expect? You know? yeah. um, this is what you're dealing with when it comes to the left. And until we learn that and realize that, they will take advantage of us being guileless as doves, but not shrewd as serpents, you know. Um, so anyway, we have to pray to God for that gift. You look at what our Lord and how our Lord responded. Read the gospel and how our Lord responded to the Pharisees. And you see that he was not nice. That he was not nice to them, right? <clears throat> that he simply spoke the truth. And uh, our Lord set the example for us that we simply have to confront them with the truth. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Tom, we, I mean, we talked about this vaccine and the possibility of them making it mandatory. And I, I was just told, I was just told actually by someone in the, in the medical field, professional medical field, I have to be careful what I say because I don't want to identify anybody. He said that there are people here who are at the first dose getting some bad reactions. But now they're afraid. I mean, a, a majority of the medical uh, people working in the medical field here in the state of Ohio have refused the vaccine. Right. They don't want the vaccine. The majority of medical people, people working in the medical field yeah. don't want the vaccine here. <clears throat> but of those who've taken it, there are a goodly number who've had reactions, adverse reactions, headaches and so on. And now they're very concerned about taking the second dose because they understand, and we understand, we're told that the, 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 the second dose will cause worse adverse reactions. The worse adverse reactions will be, will be occasioned not by the first dose, but by the second dose. And those who've already had adverse reactions are really concerned now about whether they should take the second dose or not. So, I mean, who knows, you know, what those adverse reactions be. They're already prepared for members of people in the medical profession being inactive, inactive disact, deactivated by their reaction to the vaccine. So, um, this, is, uh, this, is, this is all part of the leftist <coughs> Hey, let me, let me ask you a question. We can close. I'll let you go with this. Yes. What is the symbol for Microsoft? A little square window? <laughs> a little square. Well, how about an apple? An apple. Well, apple. I mean, I, maybe I should go apple. with that. Yeah. An apple, right? Apple. <clears throat> and the apple has a bite out of it, right? Yes. What do you think that's supposed <laughs> to mean? I mean, honestly, how bold can you get as far as saying, this is where we're coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Be our own gods. Is that not the emblem, the emblem for that? It's true. Let's face it, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is the way they've chosen to go. They intend to uh, be their own god. You know, it's really curious. 
the Theosophical Societies of England were begun by a Madame blah, 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 Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, a Russian emigre, an occultist, Blavatsky, right? And um, <clears throat> she is the one who actually basically invented the Ouija board for contacting the dead, right? <clears throat> and uh, any number of other occult practices. Well, her successor was a woman named Annie Besant, okay? And her successor, and these successions were not amicable, you know, like hostile takeovers, because these people don't get along. They don't like each other, okay? But Besant, Annie Besant, another occultist, took over for Blavatsky. And Alice Ann Bailey took over for Besant. And Alice Ann Bailey, I don't think it was Annie Besant, I think it was Alice Ann Bailey was once asked, when do you think the world teacher will actually come and manifest himself to the world? Well, the, the world teacher is their Lord Maitreya, who's going to be the world teacher of the divinity of mankind. I mean, this is going to be the great guru of the world of Gnosticism, teaching mankind its own divinity, right? And uh, you know what she said? She said, well, if we look at the progress of events, then, you know, we might see there will be someone, a forerunner, who will come before him, prepare the way before him. But if things unfold the way they're going now, she ventured a guess that Lord Maitreya, this world teacher of mankind's divinity, who do you think that is, should manifest himself to the world and rise to world power about the year 2025. She said that, about the year 2025. That's interesting, just putting it together, right? Is it a prophecy? I don't know. I don't know. But it's an ominous guess, in any case, right? So when we see all these things kind of converging together, it's a warning to us that we have to reassert our faith, our hope, our love for God, our charity, and to strive to live the two great commandments, to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. This is the practice of our traditional Catholic faith. This is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have to do. We have Father, to group around that. We're still in the heart of the, the Christmas season. Can we draw any consolation, any inspiration from that fact? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> of course. We're not even halfway through the Christmas season, frankly. You know? We're about 19, 20 days into the Christmas season right now. And there's still another 22, 23 days to go, right, to February 2nd. So, of course, we have to draw uh, the inspiration from that fact. And uh, as I mentioned last time, I mean, here we are within the octave. Tomorrow is the octave day of the Feast of the Epiphany, you know. And we, consecrate, we concentrate on the three kings bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to our Lord. And, well, we focus on those gifts because they're prophetic gifts. <clears throat> the fathers of the church tell us that the gold signifies the royalty of our Lord, <clears throat> descending from the house of David. Uh, that the frankincense represents his divinity <clears throat> as the Son of God, and the myrrh symbolizes his sacrificial death for us, right? But we might also, and we, do, we should actually focus on the fact that this was an exchange of gifts. It wasn't just the giving of gifts by the Magi to our Lord, but 
our Lord actually gave gifts to them, and those were the most important gifts of all. In fact, the gifts that our Lord gave to the Magi might even be considered represented by the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh too. Because the gold could symbolize the truth of faith. Our Lord gave them the virtue of faith. He gave them faith to recognize him. And uh, the, the incense, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but the, the myrrh might represent the virtue of hope that he gave to them. Uh, myrrh is bitter, it's healing, uh, but um, it's like the virtue of hope in the sense hope is what we long for but don't have. And so there's always with the virtue of hope a certain longing and a certain discomfort. And myrrh kind of recognizes that or represents that, you know, the, the bitterness of the perfume, as it says in the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Um, so I'd say the myrrh could reasonably, really readily represent the virtue of hope that our Lord had come to give them. And of course the incense could certainly represent the virtue of charity, divine love. Because after all, I mean, the incense represents the sacrifice, the odor of sweetness rising to heaven, of our sacrifice to God, representing our love for him. And so in those three gifts, they might well have not only manifested their, uh, their acknowledgement of our Lord in his humanity, his divinity, and his sacrificial death, but also the gifts that heaven brought to them in faith, hope, and charity as well. We need to take those gifts from heaven, and we need to live them, and to put them into practice and live by them. Uh, those gifts that they brought to the Holy Family <clears throat> were God's provisions for the, the family in their exile in Egypt. And we may very well feel now that we are exiled, living in a land of exile, in which uh, like this neo-pagan world that we're in now, living very much in a land of exile. But God provides, and he will prov prov make those provisions for us, us in faith, hope, and charity to survive spiritually and otherwise, too. So, his triumph is assured. The Blessed Mother's Immaculate Heart will triumph, whether we'll be still on earth or hopefully in heaven by that time. Her Immaculate Heart will triumph, and we will see it. From one vantage point or another, we will see it. Hopefully, we will contribute to it. Absolutely. Well, Father, thank you for being here tonight. Appreciate your time. Right. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Yep, no problem. Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady of Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.